In our social media age, when everyone's trying to boost their platform and preach their message, two pastors come together to put the pulpit aside and have some uncommon exchanges, some considerate conversations about cultural topics from a biblical worldview. We're not just trying to boost likes, comments, shares, and follows. We're trying to find some sanity, some clarity, and some unity in the midst of our diversity to offer some hope in a culture steeped in division, confusion, and toxicity. Come along with us as we put the pulpit aside. Thank you for tuning in to the Pulpit Aside podcast. Today's episode is a continuation of our previous episode on women in ministry. This conversation was so good. We had to split it up into two podcasts because it actually ended up being our longest podcast to date. I hope you enjoy, but know that you'll be jumping into the middle of the conversation. If you didn't hear part one, please go back and hear that for context and let us know what you think. Here we go. So I appreciate your past posture and what your experiences have been. And also just rewinding a bit, you were talking about kind of how you got into this space where you are always like, I don't have this agenda like to prove anything or be something. It's just kind of trying to follow Jesus. And, and here I am. And I've read that in the stories of other women who the Lord has used powerfully, mm-hmm. you know, and even uh, one woman's biography I was reading, and she's like, well, you know, I've asked God so many times, essentially what she said, why, why me? Why a woman? Why didn't you, why didn't you call another man? And, and I, I mean, I can't authenticate the veracity of this, but essentially what she said was, well, I felt like the Holy Spirit said he tried. They weren't listening. I was the only one willing to answer the call. And I was, yeah. I'm like, Fair, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, because um, uh, some people that bristle, um, you know, against uh, women in leadership in the church, especially, I think they feel like there is an agenda, but I just don't think that that's the case mm. most of the time. I think there are women who love the Lord and yeah. he moves upon them and uses them. And, you know, even sometimes to their own, you know, like, discomfort. Like, I really would rather not, you know, (laughs) why why me, Lord, you know, call somebody else, you know? Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think that you go into life and you're like, um, okay, I have this idea for my life. Um, But then when you start to know Christ, you're like, that idea is no longer like my truth. Mm, I can't do that because that's apart from Christ. And so uh, don't get me wrong. Now that I'm in it, like, I, I remember the first time that somebody gave their life to the Lord. It was with me in my living room. Mm-hmm. And it was like, let's say a sermonette. I didn't have any notes. It was just the Holy Spirit flowing. And I remember they said, I want to get saved. I want to be sure that God knows me. And I was like, we can do it right now. And they were like, how? And I was like, you ain't said nothing but a word, space and opportunity. <laughs> and I remember when they gave their life to the Lord, I was like, oh, this is like what I will do the rest of my life. Yeah. So the pain of being pruned and being pressed on and being on the potter's wheel, there was no greater reward than knowing I had some type of hand in yeah. bringing someone yeah. to the Lord. Like, yeah. Yeah. and now that He's allowed me to go like step by step and go into like preaching, and then I actually can do a little something when I preach because of the anointing He's given me <laughs> and it's developed. I love it because it's like I wasn't supposed to be this. Like, I could have said no to God, mm. and I could have mm. still been mentally unhealthy or stressed or whatever. And there's just nothing like serving Christ. And I think that people do sometimes think women are trying to 
rewrite the Bible or, you know, ignore the scriptures that talk about women not speaking. And it's like, all I can do is pick up my cross, mm -hmm. label me whatever you want. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, this word is going to go forth and you're just going to have to deal with it and take it up with God. Because <laughs> if I don't do it, I got to take it up with mm. him. Oh, and the good. blood can't be on my hands. Yeah, yeah. That's good. You're, That's good. You're responsible for how you respond to God's call yeah. in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, you went there. I was yeah. waiting for this moment. For this Did moment? I segue we, us we into got, this? Like, we I, I was going to ask another question about what you're currently doing, but you did kind no, of... No, we got to go there. You know? <laughs> we all got our Bibles on the table. Let's let's go. I think that was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit? Us. I mean, exactly. I think it was the right time. Uh -huh. it's, it's the right time. I'm with it. All right, go ahead, sir. What, so so what, what's the, well, what's the I mean, segue? Well, I mean, thank going? you for sharing your story. Yeah. It's so beautiful, and I think it's really helpful. That's the way we want to start this conversation. But why does this become a minefield is because there are lots of different opinions, mm -hmm. you know, within mm. people who profess to follow Jesus about women leading. And there are some scriptures that have become very troublesome and confusing. <laughs> uh, some believe, you know, that the, the scriptures say a lot about women not teaching and especially not teaching men. And so we got to mm. talk about it. Mm. Yeah, let's talk um, about what, it. what, what, uh, specifically, um, one scripture, there may be two that, that really become, I would say, clobber passages on this, <laughs> this topic. Um, but 1 Timothy 2.12, where Paul writes, uh, a woman should not have authority over a man. She must be silent. Mm -hmm. Why do you respond to that? But my response, she's being interviewed. I mean, no, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, you said, what's my response to that? Well, all right. So, growing up in the tradition that I grew up in, this was often the verse that was used to communicate that women should not be preaching, not be in the pulpit. And it's actually a verse that I myself have leaned on a lot uh, throughout my young Christian life and even into latter parts of my Christian life that said, ah, you know, women's pastors, I, I think I'm good. Uh, so this verse has been used that way, and and I and I understand why it's been used that way. I I guess today, when I look at this verse, and I read it, this is still a verse that, as much as I've read on it, as much has been written on it, um, if I only use this verse, then I can build my ministry philosophy and theology on it by right. using just this verse. The problem for me comes in Say it. many other verses that communicate something a little bit different yeah. or the experiences in the scripture where something different is happening than what this is saying. And so instead of me trying to say this is a directive that needs to be followed exactly the way it's being written, I ask myself, how does this fit in balance mm -hmm. with what else has been written mm -hmm. where it doesn't look like this is what is being done and what's being communicated? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, you said it really, and we want you to respond too, obviously. But uh, I, I think anytime in any anything, when you start cherry picking verses mm -hmm. out of the Bible, you will not end up in a good place. Right. You know, whether it's about women or about the Holy Spirit, whether it's about what it means to be saved. Jesus, yeah. People yeah, will cherry right. pick verses and build theologies and there are 99% uh, of the time they are in error. Mm. Uh, so uh, the mantra that I, I've always heard is when it comes to building good theology and a good doctrinal basis, context is king, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Well, Jesus is king, okay. Right. But, uh, <laughs> Amen. you know, within understanding the scripture context, so what is the context 
context of that scripture in that book, but what is also the cultural context that's being spoken sure. to matters. And then what is the context of the whole of scripture? Yeah. Like you have to have the whole counsel of God on this issue. And I mean, cause again, you can turn it in a million different directions that people will twist it by cherry picking sections or parts, but it's the whole word of God that has to speak to us. Right. And so, you know, when I look at this passage, even in this same chapter, you know, of, of, First Timothy 2, you rewind, he starts talking to men. He says, yep. I desire men in every place to pray, to lift up their hands uh, without wrath in prayer. And so like, hey, if we're going to start cherry picking scriptures, let's start there. Like, how come when I go to the prayer meetings, I don't see all the men right. in the prayer meeting with their hands raised, lifting up without wrath? But you, know, you see it's mostly a, more women in prayer meetings. Let's talk about men, that right? for a minute. Right, I mean, right. if we want to start clobbering people with the no, scripture, you know what I mean? Like, but within context, and then it goes from that men should be praying. And then likewise, and, and it's really about um, without wrath and without arguing, that right. there'd be a sense of mm. um, mutuality and peace among the people of God. And, and when he turns, he says, and likewise, women, it's not actually creating separate categories. It's laying the same, the same idea on men and women that when mm. we come together, we're not here to fight one another, mm -hmm. you know? And so putting that in context, it isn't like this, that, the other thing. And then what's the cultural context mm -hmm. in uh, Timothy is, is ministering in Ephesus, which is uh, capital city of the worship of the goddess Diana. And uh, she was the, the mother of all in, mm -hmm. in that, that culture, um, mm -hmm. that role of the woman dominating was preeminent and yeah. created strife, mm -hmm. created strife in the home, created strife in the church. And so he's speaking to us, and, and epistles are like that. Like first Timothy, second Timothy, uh, you look at Corinthians, you look at them all, they're, they're, they, we, they're God-breathed, inspired scriptures, but they are written to specific places and times and cultural contexts. Sure. And, and people, when you pick out a verse, aren't saying that. Like, well, this is a city where women had been domineering over men in a very unhealthy way. And that's why he makes this strong admonition. It wasn't like, oh, so in everywhere where the gospel is preached, women need to be quiet. And first of all, those who call themselves Bible literalists, I don't know anyone that says when a woman comes in the building, she can't talk. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if you're going to be a literalist, you got to go all the way, baby. Like, <laughs> yeah. A woman can't sing. She yeah. can't give an announcement. She right. can't speak to her neighbor. She just, yes. I mean, and we would all say that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. we would. Um, we would. And, and you know, something else I want to add to that, just like you don't want to isolate this text to then build a theology off of it, you don't want to isolate this text because it says something that is challenging and right. different than what other texts That says, too. Okay? And so you, you want to make sure that we recognize all scriptures God breathed, all of it should be used uh, as profitable for teaching, for exhortation, for correction. And so that is a reality of it. But just to kind of piggyback off what you said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 mm. and verse 4, I'm going to turn there. Go there. Really quickly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4, uh, Paul says this to the Corinthian church. He says, every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. Then in verse 5, he says, but every woman who has her head covered or uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head. Now, we usually come here to talk about women, you know, praying and they're being uncovered. But let's just look at it and we read it slower. But every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying. 
It's as if he's indicating. Wait, I thought she was supposed to be right, silent. Right, right, right. She's supposed to be silent. She can't be praying. She definitely can't be prophesying, number one. Number two, the fact that he even uh, talks about giving an experience how that this should on a happen. woman doing this it's means happening. it's happening. Yeah. And he's not telling them not to do it. He's just telling them that when they do it, it should be done this way because culturally what it communicates. No, and so, yeah. again, it can't. You, we can't say that she can't say mumbling word, that she shouldn't be praying because she's praying and prophesying here. Mm-hmm. And he's giving some order to how it should be done. And so, I don't want to dismiss what First Timothy is saying, but somehow I got to take First Timothy and what he's saying here and still parallel it. You got to harmonize it with First Corinthians, say, First Corinthians right, 11. balance and then, here? Yeah. Um, because some, some, she's talking. Yeah. Uh, and then one sudden she said, don't talk. So yeah, going back to the cultural norms, going back to the context of the churches he was writing, and then just dealing with the fact that I'm not going to isolate the text. I've got to somehow balance what's being said here between the both. So now that we've defended your cause. <laughs> Look at y'all. No. Uh, How do you wrestle with uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean. You just block that one out in the Bible and say, I'm just not going to read that one. Like, like or. <laughs> Listen, it's funny because. I want to know. I like, wasn't. I'm not a woman. How would I feel reading this as a woman? And especially if some man comes and teaches it that way, I would be super I would be heated. Again, I think it's just because my relationship, my dad is so like this that it's like, I know him. I know him. I know him and he knows me. And even though this scripture is here, it's not to marginalize us further. God is living, right? So I'm not going to allow for something in the hermeneutics of the time and what this represents then thwart the call on my life now because it's needed now because God says so. <laughs> so I I actually am in in the context what was the mission at this time? We're trying to bring Christ to this point today. Yeah, yeah. And if there's distraction and there's husbands having to be interrupted and explain to their wives in the middle of the courtyard when they're trying to hide from centurions and bring the gospel. It's like, I get it. It was like, we got to do this structurally. Mm. There was a goal in mind, which oftentimes we all have goals for our ministries, Mm -hmm. for what we think should happen for our churches. I get it. We needed to get Jesus Christ here 2000 years later. I wouldn't probably be able to sit here if the name Jesus wasn't raining out. So, you know what I mean? It's like for the cause at the time, whatever. Cool. Mm. Let's be about getting Jesus here. But yeah. that now that we're here, yeah, yeah. we're here. Yeah. So, so I also love that, like it says, I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. And I circled those two, I and she, because I agree with that in the context of he's speaking from him, himself as someone who's leading and trying to direct and get this church established. Let's get this ball rolling, right? We still have people that don't believe that they should be here because they're Gentiles and they still don't even get it. So like, he's just trying to get the ball rolling. And so he's just like, kind of like ordering people, right? Mm -hmm. In my mind, I see this. She must be quiet. Well, yeah, she must have needed to be quiet because it was she. I don't want to have authority over a man if I'm connected to Christ because he doesn't even try to force or have authority over us. He welcomes us. He invites Mm. us. He gives us the free will. So, yeah, she must be quiet if she's not in Christ. Mm. 
Because Tasha herself, without the authority of Christ in me, shouldn't be trying to teach anybody anything. Mm. When I am teaching, when I'm preaching, when I'm delivering the word of God, it is the Holy Spirit coursing through my body. And when I am in reverence to the throne, he is the one who's magnified. Mm -hmm. So if Tasha's just sitting here wanting to talk about scripture and argue points, she needs to be quiet mm. because it's not representing the faith. Yeah. It's not re representing Christ. Yeah. Mm. But I think that's how we have to look at it. We're thinking carnal, mm. phenotypical characteristics, woman, she has to be quiet. I would urge anybody who's not being used by Christ and there's no fruit being produced to sit down and have several seats and be quiet. <laughs> Right? Yeah. You know, that's a good word. That, something else that because <laughs> take several seats. This is um, right? I'll Let leave me. now. There's an argument <laughs> that I used to hear back when I was kind of more on the side of hey, now, women so should be preaching. Let's let's oh. so you come have oh. grew up in a tradition that was really took this very literally. Yeah, took it very literally and we didn't have women pastors, women were up there preaching. So you you've had a journey of your own. Yeah, I have. I have. And the argument that people would often use was, well, you know, context, culture, culture is important, yada, yada, yada. And I used to argue against that. Like, listen, culture is important, but if a statement is made, directive has been given, that, trans that transcends culture, okay? Period. But, again, as I looked at other scriptures where I see women teaching the prophetesses, there's a possible one for an apostle. Like we yeah, see some yeah, women doing yeah. some ministry. Aquila and Priscilla. I mean, Priscilla's mentioned four out of six times yeah. before Aquila. She's leading the church. Yeah, she's definitely she's leading the church. doing the work of the evangelist, mm -hmm. doing the work of a preacher. She's correcting, mm -hmm. you know, my man uh, Apollos, who's mm -hmm. a gifted orator, right? So you start seeing all that. I'm trying to put it in, in perspective. And culturally speaking, women weren't, didn't have the opportunity to be educated. Culturally speaking, right. and not that you need That's education, true. but this, this still has its place. Um, culturally speaking, women were seen as more like second-class citizens. So men weren't even going to respond to a woman the same way then that men may respond to women today in the Western world, yep. 21st century. And yet God, even in this culture, was still using women here and there. Mm -hmm. like they, mm -hmm. they were popping up, mm -hmm. almost as if God was giving us a, a bird's-eye view of this is going to take place, even if it's not the norm, mm -hmm. Because of societal reasons, cultural reasons, order reasons, structure, whatever, even though it's not the norm, it is happening. Yeah. And we live it's now a in a time period where yeah. it's even more of a reality because women aren't necessarily seen as the same way they were in biblical times, nor are they lacking in, well, I guess, we, for lack, for lack of a better term, lacking of education or training mm -hmm. that qualifies them to to be teachers. Exactly. They can go to seminary like we can. They can get the same training. They can read the same books. Um, and so they can also experience the same calling. Yeah. And I think it's also because, you know, you think about like the idea of young women and representation. Like, what is that going to be for a young girl when she sees mm -hmm. me and she's like, oh, I can do that too. Yeah. I wasn't thinking in my journey, I'm pioneering and charting mm -hmm. these waters for someone else mm -hmm. um, until I had the experience of in a cultural setting, a predominantly Latino cultural setting. Um, I told you my mom's first generation, Mexican-American. Um, we call it machismo. It's misogyny. It's pretty prevalent in Latin American cultures. And that's not a diss. I'm not shading Latin American cultures. But there is a way that it's structured and it's very comfortable for them. And it's mm -hmm. not like a diss. So, they're actually very proud of that, and it's their culture, but I was at an event, and I was a counselor somewhere, and there was a little girl getting her face painted, and I just came over, and I said, hi, and I realized she only spoke Spanish, and the mom said, 
oh, she loves God so much. And when she turned her cheek, they had put Jesus with a heart on her face paint. So I got down really little and I said, can I tell you something? I love Jesus too. <laughs> I love him so much. I became a pastor so I could teach everyone about him. And her eyes got so big. Wow. And she said, mamá, ella su maestra? Ella su maestra? La pastora es ella? Like she's a pastor? She said, soy yo, mami, soy yo, yo quiero. Oh, like, wow. I want to do it. That. And Come so I on. asked her, yeah. and I said, why was she so excited? And she said, because she's never seen a woman yeah. in our church ever in yeah. leadership. Wow. It's little, little like breadcrumbs. Yeah, yeah. It's like along the way, mm -hmm. you start to learn. And it's quite like, even with like civil rights movements and things, I'm quite sure when they decided to take a step forward, it wasn't the civil rights movement. Right. You know what it's I mean? So step. you're just kind of like mm -hmm. walking and God's helping you figure so it out. Good. So and good. I think now that, I, like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. looking back at it, I think, wow, now I have this understanding of what I carry. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm here, I definitely am excited to see what God's going to do. But I also am just kind of happy that like, it's not just about me being a woman yeah. at the mm, same that's time. Good. And that's such a good point yeah. to, to add into it. Uh, for the sake of our conversation, for those who may be listening, I just want to point out a couple other just the larger scriptural yeah. context. Sure. Because sure. we want to harmonize the whole of yeah. scripture. That's we right. all know Deborah who led the people of God in the Old mm -hmm. Testament. But then you come to the New Testament. And that one, I want to talk about Jesus. Like it was really the 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 new covenant liberator you know mm. of women like yes. i love it like how he invited them to sit at his feet yeah you know which was not the place for a woman or in their cultural but he's like no no come sit and, and even the there's so much to talk about there right you could have mary and martha at the house and like mm -hmm. what a what honor it was that that he did that and said hey sit at my feet I, you know no woman ever had that with a rabbi you know yeah um but so acts two when the Holy Spirit's poured out, it's an Old Testament promise where God says, I'll pour out my, my spirit on men and women. Yeah. Like they will all prophesy. And however you want to define prophecy, sure. uh, you know, if it's just teaching, as many like to say, or publicly proclaiming or a prophetic word, whatever it is. Maybe these, it's all of the above. It is. <laughs> but, you know, let's, let's break down the boxes where we need to. Uh, yeah. Men and women, all of them. They'll, they'll, they'll be in on this. The Holy Spirit's not limited. And that's what you're basically saying. Mm. It's not just because I'm a woman. It's because I'm God's God. Daughter, I belong to God, you know? No, that's exactly it. Yeah. I just happen to be a woman that will be able to have enough, I guess, in my experience in life to carry this because he's walked with me. But yeah, it could have been anyone. It's going to be my mentee. It's going to be go. the next one. It's mm. just who's willing, who's saying, I'm here, Lord, use me. I feel like what I've heard so much in your story too, and I'm, I love about your story is just, you keep saying yes. You haven't, mm. I feel like you just have this unreserved yes to Jesus. God is asking me to do this. The answer is yes. I'm going to say yes. I want to say yes. Not without, you know, a little fight here and there, but you've kept your yes. You kept your yes on and, and that'll get, that'll get you so far. But so, I mean, I think if, if, Believers would step back in and take an honest look at the whole of Scripture. Yeah, you know all the things you mentioned, Koi. It's it's really kind of undeniable, you know. And think of even our our, our new covenant faith. Like, mm -hmm. what what if? Okay, the woman at the well. Okay, mm -hmm. so they have this moment and encounter, and he was breaking down racial barriers yep. there. I mean, there's a lot Gender. happening. Um, and she encounters the Messiah. Mm. But what if, I mean, what, what would our story be if she's like, but wait, no, no, don't go tell the whole town. Yeah. <laughs> you you, you got to go tell a man to tell him, you know, yeah. like seriously, you know, yeah. like, but that, if you, if you're going to try to like, you know, 
silo women into that first Timothy passage, that would have been it. But that was not at all Jesus. He knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. He knew he w- it was going to be her and he wanted it to be her. Yeah. And God used that woman's voice to bring a whole town out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think of who was the first ones that got to declare the resurrection, right? Yes. It was Mary. Yes. And that was not an accident. Right. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And uh, Jesus knew what he was doing. And, and this is our story. And uh, oh, it's such a shame that we would deny that, mm-hmm. the power that God has placed really in a pioneering way. Yeah. On women. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could make a case that uh, the woman at the well was like the first city evangelist. Yeah. You yeah. could make a case yeah. for that. Yeah, you could. You know, and that, you know, Mary was the first bringer of the resurrected Christ's gospel. Mm. You know, the trailblazing women. And to somehow say and step back 2,000 years later and say, well, Jesus doesn't want you to to do that. Like, seriously? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> he set a completely different paradigm, you know, with his own hand. And, and here we are. Um, I, I love it. Yeah. Amen. And if I can add something to that, just for those who are listening, who may have grown up in a tradition more like mine, or who are even struggling yeah. with what we're talking about with regards to women in ministry. Something that I think is very important about First Timothy is not only is it a book written to a specific church, Church of Ephesus, dealing with certain issues that Paul is addressing, but even when he talks about, you know, because I think sometimes as men we get worried about, oh, well, if they can preach, then that means they're going to be, you know, what about elders and what about this and what about that with regards to leadership structure? Mm-hmm. And I want to be clear about something. In First Timothy, where he highlights the different, you know, elders, he highlights deacons, deaconesses, these are all offices. Mm -hmm. These are positions that people will qualify for. These are not callings and gifts. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 4, when it talks about Christ ascending and gave gifts unto people, he gave gifts unto people. What were the gifts? Well, he gave them apostles, he gave them evangelists, he gave them prophets, pastors, and teachers. Those are gifts. And because those gifts are given to different individuals, for what? For the edification of the body. Uh, For the equipping and edification of the body. Gifts are things that the Holy Spirit is, is also being utilized to give to us. And when it comes to these ministry gifts, they're gifts. They're not offices. Mm-hmm. So even when a person doesn't live up to the standard that has been set for these particular roles in the church, the gift didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I think oftentimes, too, we, we look at the offices and the gifts that our ministry gives um, for preaching and for teaching and for edification of the church, and we blend the two. And so... There, are, there is some room here, even with regards to structure. Like when I look at the text in 1 Timothy 3, elders seem like it's men. But that has nothing to do with the person preaching and prophesying and sharing God's word because they've been gift and gifted and equipped to do so. Um, but that, I don't think that minimizes it. I think that's just adding some structures, adding some order because God's a God of order. I mean, yeah, the woman at the well does go out and the whole town, these men come get saved. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why I think whatever happens in that town afterwards is carried out the way that it is because the men do get on board because mm-hmm. that's important. Yeah. It's important. We need them both. Yeah, we need them both. And I think that too often we're trying to, we're afraid, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. uh, Pastor Tasha, about kind of, we're afraid to like embark upon something that's outside of our spiritual box or spiritual uh, way of thinking because it's, it's different than our experience. And all of a sudden it's like we got to throw something out because it doesn't fit without realizing it does all fit it's our job to do good exegesis listen to the power of the holy spirit listen to one another's experiences see god in it and then also utilize the scripture now to help us balance our approach and our thinking broaden our box to where at some point we stop putting god in the box like there is no mm-hmm. more box it's just 
He's God. So yeah. I do think that for those who are listening who are still struggling, like, well, what about this? I mean, this office is different than a gift, and gifts are irrevocable. And I think that with like what you're saying about office too, when we talk about the office of the church, right, and how they were trying to set up the church, right, relative, because like there's apostasy that's getting ready to like really go down, yeah, like the falling away. So I do believe that if maybe we were in the 1980s or what do you young people call it? The 1900s, the late 1900s. <laughs> I've learned that I'm a part of the late 1900s crew now. Old so now. it's all right. I got that wisdom. That's so, right. um, but I feel like, you know, at the same time, it's like people do not want to go to church. Mm. Young people do not want to attend wherever the office is at. So I love the way that, yes, at, a very uh, like important time in the history of the church that was necessary, but then we also know that when the offices were established and Calvin, you know, stapled his thesis and like the reformation of the church, oh. like all of that took place, right? And we had offices, mm -hmm. and I don't think those were the women that were having to be reformed. It was men in men, right? offices, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not trying to like pick on them. Yeah. I'm just saying like, just in the, the reformation you know, you are, you are of the church, <laughs> we see God constantly, right? Going back and being like, okay, so man, man or woman, you guys aren't doing it right. I'll figure out a way to get you back on course and love. Yeah. So now that it's mm. like the apostasy, the great falling away, we're living in the last days. When we don't have a lot of people who are going to the churches, okay, I'm going to establish an office that is like generational. And I really see that's where he's called me because it's not that I'm in a four walls. It's not that I'm trying to petition for people to come to a building where I would stir up or usurp the authority of men and try to, like, I'm the lead pastor. It's like so far from that. Like that's so, God's like, there's a whole generation of young people who don't know the gospel. There's a whole generation of young people who identify with being spiritual, but they, they don't want to be a part of Christianity mm. because of religion. Mm. How do we petition and commission apostles of a generation yeah. where there is no office, there is no building? We have to figure out a way to adjust with social media, with platforms where they're listening, where we can lean an ear in. Let's get the loose fruit. I do believe as an apostle, as a teacher, as an evangelist, as a prophet, all of the titles of the offices he has given me that I'm responsible for, I then have the awesome opportunity in the time when no one wants to even be a part of church, figure out a way to get young people to be like, hey, God is awesome. Come yeah. over here and check mm -hmm. it out. Yeah, yeah. I don't think those who are in office or positions in the history of the church have that type of grace. Mm -hmm. Because it has been, the experience is come to church, you come here. God is saying, it's the last curtain call. I'm petitioning, commissioning these officers, these generals to go out and get them before the ark is closed. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're also all navigating as a generation, the millennial generation, Gen Z, to bring Christ before it's too late. And I think that's kind of like a new office. It's like, a, it's, it's different. It's yeah. like kind of adopting the elders and the wisdom and figuring out a way in between that to like pull from the wisdom, pull from the elders mm -hmm. and still stand in the gap to say, no, you need this. You, mm -hmm. you are missing out. Jesus is great. And if I can't be in a four walls, I know some places where I can send y'all to Mm. Where there's four walls, where there's offices, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So totally. it, it's it's kind of just kind of like it's evolving with Christ. And I think it's great to have um, this conversation because I think we all collectively got to work together to figure out yeah. how are we going to be the last generation yeah. to close this thing out? 
You know, I do appreciate that about you. I know we got to get ready to wrap this up, but I do appreciate that because for those who are listening, who are assuming that you're the traditional pastor of a church where yeah, people yeah. come in every Sunday, they actually that you are very much untraditional in your approach and your calling and the way God is using you. A little bit. Um, you said a little bit. Uh, but I love that. I, I yeah. think that's so beautiful. It is. Um, and I think it's actually necessary to, to highlight that. Um, first, Corey, I love that you help speak to those that may be coming from different traditions mm-hmm. and how they can sort of navigate their thinking because you've been there and you are there and it's, yeah. it's awesome. But I think the piece of, uh, you know, the idea of overarching what we've been talking about, the Holy Spirit is not limited. Jesus is is for sure loosing and empowering women's voices along with men's in the kingdom. Um, And there, there is... There's times, there's seasons, there's structures that are helpful, but there's also um, different cultural contexts. And you're speaking about our current cultural context is, is a, a very new space. Yes. And, you know, it's actually interesting because, you know, I was speaking of like different women who've led in the body of Christ in seasons past. You know, some of the first places women were leading was in sort of missionary contexts, mm, places where good. the gospel hadn't gone, where it was unknown, where it was culturally unfamiliar. And I feel like, again, it's a pioneering thing that you're out here trying to minister in a a de-churched cultural context. That part. Yeah. And so uh, being a pioneer, even as the woman at the well was to go to her city to say, I've seen the Messiah. He told me everything I've ever done. Or or like Mary to be the first bringer of the, he is not dead. He's risen, you know, and and here you are, you know, in a de-churched generation in a, in a new way, in a, in a kind of with a new approach, the Lord would use your voice. It, it seems to make sense, yeah. actually. And for those who don't know, you know, Pastor Tasha, you actually just started out in the park. You, I mean, part of your story is with, you know, in ministry the last year and a half or two years, is you started just preaching in the park because God told you to. Well, so about, well, I would say when I graduated from seminary, I started doing women's conferences locally in Lansing when I moved back because I, I lived out of state after college for about 15 years. And when God said to go back to Lansing, I was like, no, but really, where do you want me to go? I lived in California. I lived in, I lived everywhere. And he's like, Michigan. And I'm like, okay, God, this joke's getting a little old. And he's like, no, you're going back to Lansing. I was like, Lansing? Like, hey, I, like, what, grab what, the mic. What's wrong with Lansing? There's nothing wrong with Lansing. There's nothing wrong with Lansing. I just didn't think he was going to bring me full circle. Now I understand why, though. Mm, yeah, because, so you know, good. it's fitting. But no, I, I started doing women's conferences. I did do a show in Los Angeles on the Power of Voices, and it was a secular radio show, and I did that for two years, um, from 2016 to 2017, and then 2017, half of 2018, and um, that was cool because it was like my voice getting out there in a place, again, where it was unchurched, loose Mm. fruit, and they were like, literally, again, I went for a women's conference, an amazing woman, uh, Josefa Selena, she was like, I really like everything about what you do. And I, I didn't do anything yet. I just would talk. So I'm like, thanks. I appreciate that. And she's like, have you ever considered doing radio? And I mean, I know you say that you're in ministry, but if I put you in this booth right here, would you be able to do a show for an hour? And I go, what does that mean? Do a show for an hour? She goes, can you talk for an hour and have like some content hmm. without any notes right now and just talk? And I was like, let's see. So <laughs> she put me in the booth and I, she was like, I'd love to give you an hour space on this show to do your faith ministry. Um, every week. And so I did that. And then it was like, God was like, okay, now you have to get from behind, you know, that you have to go out. And so then the women's conferences started. And I remember the first time I had my actual first 
where I was gonna preach and I had a PowerPoint and I remember it was so cool because I was like, oh, I'm definitely using all of this. This is so good. I just graduated from seminary. God was like, that's cute, girl. And he just totally took over. And when I learned then, the Holy Spirit is really what's being, you know, nothing that I could do was even going to pale in comparison to him. It, it set me on this mission of, okay, what's next? Okay, what's next? I started to get a little stagnant because as a mom, as a full-time mom, you kind of, you know, you get tired. And... I feel like when the pandemic happened and all the churches shut down, I was like, oh my gosh, Lord. And I, I, it brings me to the scripture, 1 Timothy 4, 14, do not neglect your gifts, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. When I was first graduated from seminary, I went to a, a conference, T.D. Jake's Pastors and Leadership Conference. I've never been to church like that on that scale. And I remember they called the millennials to the front, anyone under 35, because they said, your generation's rising up. So of course I hauled down there and it was just glory falling. Cause sometimes I think you look at mega churches and you're like, okay, is the spirit really being used mm. there? Especially if you're not raised in church. And I'm not big on televangelism or like, you know, Benny Hinn with the coat I used to watch back <laughs> in the day. Like it wasn't that, it really was the Holy Spirit moving. And I don't know if you're familiar with, um, Bishop Tudor Bismarck. Mm. Okay, so he was there. I didn't know really except for learning about him in college through my my bishop in college. And um, you guys, when I tell you, like, I was sitting there on my face crying and he, I just looked over. It was like God said, look up. And Bishop Tudor Bismarck, he's like, he's like international. He's like from Africa, like, like the motherland. He's not Western culture. Mm. Like, it was like he had his hand, it was, they were, they were laying hands on everyone. And he, now mind you, like I, my makeup, I penciled my eyebrows in y'all. So he was coming. I felt the, he was coming like from across. If, if he ever sees this, I am just like this young on fire, just graduated seminary. I'm not raised Baptist. It's a theological seminary, but I'm spirit filled and I'm on fire. And he just starts coming at me from across this pulpit. And I remember thinking, you can mess up my eyebrows. I don't care. Slather me with that oil. I don't care if you smear them because I'm on fire and I'm ready to go. And I remember he, it was like, there was all kinds of people around me. And he just smashed his hand right into my forehead and just prayed over me. And I'm telling you, like, when you talk about not thwarting the calling or neglecting the gift, it's like, man, there's nothing in the world better than actually being, like, maybe it wasn't the traditional traditional laying of hands. I didn't have someone who helped raise me up that could say, okay, now it's time. I literally showed up and God was like, it's time. And I'm going to send somebody pretty awesome to do it. So, so there's yeah, something God. powerful about another yeah. person, God using another person to affirm not, the call on your life. Not really for me ever. That's never been my thing because it's always been me and God. Mm. But when you're talking about that and you're talking about like looking back, I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, that happened. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't get commissioned in a church like being right. raised up in an office right. and have someone under the toolage of their ministry since I was 16. And But one of these amazing kind of heavy hitting in the spirit leaders found me in a crowd and God said her. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. This... This is probably the longest episode we've ever had. Uh, I'm not mad about it at all. But with that thought, actually, let's 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 put a bow on it with this. I would love for you to speak to women who may feel the call mm. of God on their life. Um, 
how would you encourage them? Let, let's imagine it like figuratively. How would you lay your hands on them right now mm. if they were listening to, to affirm their call in God? What would you say to them? Especially if maybe they're struggling with, should I, could I, or maybe even doctrinally have a weight upon them that says, I'm not supposed to, but I feel like I should. Like, mm. speak to them for a minute. Oh, man. You are the apple of his eye. Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard the beautiful voice that will go forth in you. There is a time carved out in the history, the timeline of God's divine and miraculous power and authority where you will speak and demons will flee. You will speak and you will be delivering other captives from their prisons. And you'll look back and it'll feel like nothing has changed, but then you realize everything's different. And the thing that happened in between was Jesus, <laughs> right? Mm. You gotta that. do it, you gotta that. do it. There's a little girl, there's someone waiting to see you get up off that floor. You're not mm. wrong, Come on. you're worthy, you're loved and your voice is powerful in Christ. Do it. Amen. <laughs> so good. Well, Pastor Tasha, we so appreciate you. Thank you for, for being, being, being with us. Our yes. first guest. Yes. yes. I wanted to Way say to be a pioneer. I wanted to actually hey. say something really quick if I could, gentlemen, because you guys asked me a question and I took all these notes. Oh, oh we missed a question. This one that was so All right, let's important. go, let's go, let's go. Because you guys asked in the questions, how how can men support? Yes. Oh. yes. And that was so important to me oh, because Okay. Part, no, it's it's really it was quite simple because PS. I kind of read this and I was like, Oh, how can men support? Like I often didn't have like a man support me mm -hmm. in the carnal mm. um in this walk. It, was my dad, like the Holy Spirit, right? Like I have, I have a dad, but great support system financially, great provider, but didn't have the faith to give me like, mm. you know, so like it's always been my dad, my, my heavenly father. But I, I'm, I'm realizing that even though I'm not here trying to pioneer as a woman pastor, I'm just picking up my cross. I'm realizing how necessary it is to have the advocacy from my colleagues, from my peers. Mm from leaders in the community because even though I'm just kind of getting along with everyone and people are learning who I am, God's like, no, no. They have to be put in positions where they understand it's not just your responsibility to navigate as a woman because I'm in them too and I'm giving them an opportunity to honor me, to trust me. So how can you guys help us? Yeah. And this is it. This hmm. is it. Being able to provide spaces and platforms and agency for marginalized persons, not only women, but me as a, a young pastor, I'm 36, and I feel like to not be threatened or to not be afraid or mm. not to be worried about what's popular and to say, let's have a conversation. That for me is so important. It's not just about inclusivity, it's about taking opportunities gender biases, dismantling them and allowing God to come forth because when we open our mouth and we, we talk about these things, the devil has to like get so mad because he's like, <laughs> you know, dang, I thought I was going to be able to get them all rowdy tonight on that <laughs> podcast about can women or can they not and look at God. So thank you both for, you know, 
trailblazing alongside of me mm -hmm. and the women that are going to come hopefully in the next year that we'll get to know that are out there and yeah, providing a podcast like this pod, this podcast is like, I know you said it's, oh, it's, you know, it's whatever. And I'm like, this is a big deal. <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate you both for having me and being, uh, you know, men of God in my life that I feel like God is showing me are self-aware and taking your privilege as men, you know, in this culture to say, ah, I think we can look at the, the Bible in greater context and kind of help these women that God's called uh, carry their cross as well. Just like when Jesus dropped his cross, mm -hmm. there was a man who had to come help him carry mm -hmm. it. So thank you. Oh, what a privilege. Wow. What, a, what, a, what a pleasure, really, to have you here. We appreciate you. Cool. We appreciate who you are. Yes, we appreciate we what you're doing. Lord, send us a thousand more just like, oh. like Tasha. <laughs> Let's go. Appreciate it. Well, everyone, we thank you for joining us on today. Hopefully, you enjoyed this time with Pastor Tasha. Please give us some feedback and some comments, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're actually listening so to cool. the podcast, <laughs> audio podcast itself. Um, we so appreciate the audience that is out there. Pastor Jesse, I appreciate you, sir. Thank yes. you for all that you do. We're grateful for all of you who are listening and watching. Maybe you agreed with us today. Maybe you're challenged today. But yeah, mm -hmm. we'd love to hear back from you. Uh, you can email us at pulpitaside at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at pulpitaside. And let us know what you're thinking. We'd love to respond to you. Uh, that's it for oh, episode I'm sorry. seven. Oh, it's not PSS. yet. PSS. PSS. <laughs> you know She's women can talk. No. <laughs> We've been waiting 2,000 years to talk. No. <laughs> They've been talking all along. I just wanted to say really quickly, this one more thing. I have um, my worship director here and my mentee. We uh, we call it Faith Ministry, and we uh, do Light After Dark Thursday night services here in Kingdom Life. Um, Pastor Coy has been so gracious to let us use the space. But now that you've invited me here on this platform for the podcast, I thought, well, if I'm the first guest, I got to set are. the bar for the next guest. Oh, so, Joseph, if you could bring those items up for uh, Pastor Coy and Pastor oh, no. Jesse. Um, as a woman, I do have a little bit more fortitude when it comes to like the <laughs> women and what we like. And since you all are here with us tonight, advancing the kingdom, I just wanted to share a little oh, something man. for your wives to take home yes. to them tonight. Oh, boy, yes, yes. It's it's <laughs> for the it's for the ribs, the and I would like to say it's for the for, for the, the ribs that really hold it down behind these powerhouse men oh, of God, okay. because. You know, oh, you just killed it so tonight. So just go ahead and let them you know that my with the women on the team, we, oh, it's over. It's them. I'm paying homage to the women who really are backing oh, the kingdom. They may yeah. not be offices. They may not just be expressing gifts, but it is not easy being married to the cloth. And so I just mm. want them to know how much our ministry appreciate. appreciate y'all letting us be here tonight. You know what's going to happen. Oh, our wives are going to make us invite her back. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just keep having you. Somebody else is going to meet the bar. For those who may be listening on audio, uh, Minister Tasha brought gifts for our wives. She just handed us something. I'm yes. sure it's amazing. You just... Little Christmas gifts. Killing the game. Uh -huh. You know, there's no... I don't want to be gender biased <laughs> and we need to shut this down, but I can't think of any man I would invite out here that would have brought gifts for our wives. Well, yeah, I, I mean, either. I mean... God knows. That's uh, why yeah. the ladies are out here <laughs> representing now. <laughs> We got to oh, go, y'all. She's having guys. too much fun. No, She's going to like you. you. Thank She's going to bury much. us here yeah. in a minute. <laughs> no, this is great. Thank you. Well, thank you again for joining us on tonight or this afternoon, this evening, this morning. Whenever you're listening to this podcast or watching it again, we really appreciate you. Thanks for joining us on the Pulpit Aside. Tell somebody about Pulpit Aside. It's good stuff happening here. <laughs>